You're listening to CJSW 90.9 FM. Quiet on the set. Camera speed. Sound production, take one. Welcome, welcome everyone to Movie Night with Sif. I'm your host, Gabby, and guest hosting today, we have Sif's engagement manager, Lucia Julio. Say hi, Lucia. Hi. Our guest today is Canadian comedy legend and member of Kids in the Hall, Mark McKinney. Hello. Before he was one-fifth of Canada's most iconic comedy troupe, Mark actually got his start right here in Calgary performing at Loose Moose Theatre with fellow Kids member Bruce McCullough. Together, they moved down to Toronto where they joined forces with Dave Foley, Kevin McDonald, and Scott Thompson. It wasn't long before Saturday Night Live producer Lauren Michaels took notice of the gifted young comedians, and by 1989, the revolutionary sketch comedy series The Kids in the Hall was on the air. The show aired for five seasons from 1989 to 1995, and recently had a six-season revival in 2022. Delighting Canadian and international audiences alike, it is widely regarded as one of the most influential sketch shows in comedy. Inspired by Monty Python, the group's quirky and surreal sense of humor set its own tone, breaking away from traditional formats of celebrity impressions and pop culture parodies to create a truly singular program. The show spawned many quotable and memorable characters, from Mark McKinney's own Head Crusher and Chicken Lady, to a host of queer-coded drag personas pushing at the boundaries of 90s TV. Now 30 years into a remarkable career in film and television, which includes starring on NBC's hit sitcom Superstore, Mark McKinney is going back to his roots. The kids in the hall are back and better than ever, bringing their unique brand of comedy to audiences at the Calgary Expo. We got a chance to catch up with Mark before the event and talk all about the triumphant return of the kids in the hall. Mark, how are you doing today? I'm doing triumphantly. (laughs) I love that for you. I would certainly say you're triumphant. It's so lovely to have you back in Calgary. I know this is kind of where things started. Is there an element of nostalgia coming back? Oh, completely. I'm going to come back like a day early and just wander around because I haven't been back God, in a decade now. Yeah, almost a decade. We were last there in 2015. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. So I don't know. I'll wander up to 23rd Street, see if 4th Street Rose is still there. I might come up uh, to CGSW. I used to hang out there, spin some vinyl, you know, with friends who were running the show. Oh, nice. Good concerts back then. CGSW did concerts. And uh, yeah, and I'm going to see some of the old uh, loose moosers. Our, did you ever our... do some radio shows? No, I did at University of Newfoundland. That's where I met uh, another Calgary native, uh, Norm Hiscock, who was also part of our sort of comedy circle. Uh, and we did funny commercials together. We think they were funny. They were allegedly funny. But uh, <laughs> we hooked up again when he came out here uh, to Calgary. I mean. That's awesome. I took broadcasting, so I have a very, you know, it's near and dear to my heart. Anyone who's been through putting together a college radio show, I see you. I, I see you. I, I, I validate you. Yes. Our, our show, was, which was then not, there was no internet, so it just broadcast and it only had a 50 watt signal. And like we would have record reps come in who weren't sure like what, whether this is a legit radio station. And we'd play their record and they would lose the signal before they got off campus. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Hopefully that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. Um, well, you and the rest of the kids in the hall are going to be in town to make a highly anticipated appearance at the Calgary Expo in a special evening with the kids in the hall. Um, what can you tell us about the event? Well, it's mostly talking. I mean, we're not going to be, I think we might read some sketches, but it's not like a, like it's, we're not touring yet. We we might in the future, but uh, yeah, we read some sketches. We tell some stories. We have some, some bits up our sleeves. We've, we've only ever done this kind of thing once before we did it in Toronto in the summer and they, and just a chance to like for our fans to meet us and for us to meet our fans, believe it or not, is, uh, is, is a huge deal. So for us, you know, I don't mean for them. 
you can take it as you like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> how would you say that your act changes when you're working in a live format as opposed to the TV format? Well, what I like about this type of format is that you kind of get us, how do you describe it? Kids in the hall in the writer's room. We treat each other like we do, make fun of each other like we do. It's a very organic kind of, and, and, you know, I'm always amazed even after 30 years, just how much chemistry there still is. And, 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 that it proves the existence of chemistry. So you're going to see us kind of being ourselves at each other. Um, so you can get a sense of what our, what our comedy troupe is like. Yeah, I'm sure everybody wants a chance to be sitting in that writer's room with you. So everybody get your tickets. <laughs> is the dynamic still the same after all these years between you all? I know you're saying you're like going to be authentic at each other for a while. It's, it seems to be working. I mean, people are very entertained by that. I think on the comedy level, yeah. Yeah, I think it, it it's stunning. Like you don't really change that much. I'm still interested in the same type of things that, you know, I was sort of always like a character actory guy. And then there's some good joke guys in the troupe. And then there's some sketch obsessed and c comedy historians. And it's just like, that's where we come from on the level when, where we're being funny. It doesn't, it hasn't really changed that much. It's like going, uh, uh, listeners, imagine going home for Thanksgiving and the same people are there. It's the same stuff. It seems like everyone has their own little piece of expertise and maybe putting it all together is kind of what creates the the magic. Yeah, I mean, it was that that's the lesson. And I took that in because I, I produced a couple of shows and I've run a writer's room and and being in Kids of the Hall taught me how essential it is that that you have balance because we fluked into having a comedic balance with each other. I like that. And a personality balance. Too, I think it's I think. the groups always work best when everyone acknowledges that they have like their own role and they feel like they're contributing something. I think where groups, groups kind yeah. of go awry is when it's too much of like everyone trying to do the same thing. And then it's like a direct battling it out. Well, yeah, because it denies personalities. You know, there was no it's a well, I don't know if you're doing K-pop, you want to you want to support <laughs> the dancers. But but we're no, not. I'm so. the cute blonde one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, whatever you're doing, it seems to be working for you. You know, speaking of your sort of TV format that fans are used to seeing you in last year, the group sort of reunited for a sixth season on Prime Video. And that was like a huge, you know, deal. And everyone was very excited about that. You know, 27 years after the original show yeah. aired. What was the reasoning behind bringing the show slash gang back after all that time? Like, what was there a specific thing where you guys were like, we're hoping to bring this to the Canadian comedy scene or like the comedy scene or maybe bring this back? Well, you kind of knock at doors um, way more often than you get let in. And I, I'm, you know, and uh, I guess, I guess we just found a window, you know, there was in, it felt like two, three years ago, a lot of shows like people that people were sentimental and had good feelings about were getting, you know, a, a second wind. And, and of course that comes with apparel because if you show up and you, people are like, Ugh! you know, yeah. <laughs> it can't go so well. Uh, so it wasn't really like heavily planned we just kind of we just kind of did it we had to do it through covid i'm amazed that we pulled the show off during That's covid crazy. and then the you know the best compliment i've heard from and i've heard it a few times is that people say it really matches to the original series it just feels like we wrote some more sketches and threw ourselves into them with the same appetite and so it got really great reviews. I mean, people who were like longtime fans and people who were just kind of clicking on it on Prime Video were like, really like, holy crap, this is very, very funny. And they, it's like, it, you came back, like, didn't miss a beat on anything. Yeah. And yes, I'm, and I was relieved. I wasn't sure that it would turn out that way, but I'm, I'm so, so glad it did. 
know, it's probably yeah. down to that dynamic that we talked about. I think if the heart of it stays the same, then maybe that's what allowed for it to continue to be something fans could identify with. Yes. And I think it helps that none of us ever became really, really huge stars. <laughs> We're all kind of like still working, you know, you know, sketch guys. Helps keep the egos in check. To some degree, not the insanity, but maybe the egos. Yeah. Okay. Um, Well, on the original show, all five of you regularly played women's characters, um, but the joke was never, look how funny this man looks in a dress and makeup. Mm -hmm. Um, When unfortunately, like that still was the joke being made at the time. So looking back on it now, like the show feels super ahead of its time. And at the time, what was the conversation around it? It, there wasn't, there was barely a conversation because we were writing sketches sometimes about our life. So if you're going to do, you know, a sketch about how you broke up with someone or, you know, or about your mom, you know, or something like that, like these, we did very low hanging fruit. It was really kind of our world. We didn't, we weren't satirizing society or anything. So it just became obvious with five guys that, you know, if, and some of us feeling very actory about it, like, just do the character, do the characters. The situation will be funny. And, uh, and it worked and it worked. We were able to like, write. We were right. Able to write sort of like social satire, funny pieces, I guess. Can I ask when you came back and you were thinking about doing, were you thinking about doing that social satire thing again? Was there anything you particularly were like, we got to hit that nail on the head the minute we get back in that TV studio? No, 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 no. And that's one thing we've never done. I think it's one of the reasons why the, like we never went after mm-hmm. anything contemporary. It was all very internal. The jury as to what, whether a kids in the whole sketch is funny or not is the other four guys. That's it. That's as far as our jury goes. And we write to amuse ourselves and each other. In, in inverse proportion sometimes, yeah. Well, what's so great about that too is like it's evergreen. You can still watch sketches from 1989 and they're still funny. Yeah, and I and and I and I still find myself drawn to shows like that, whether it's Python or like I think you should leave or, you know, I think those are the shows that that stand up for me. You know. Well, speaking of that, actually, like I think you have like you set that format that you were talking about where you were just trying to make each other laugh. You weren't trying to go for like a comedy news type of thing. Uh, We recently had Dave Kneebone from Absolutely Productions on the show. And he was talking about the influence of kids in the hall on on, like shows that he's produced, like the Eric Andre show and Nathan for you and like Tim and Eric and all of those like adult Mm. swim guys. They talk all the time about how kids in the hall kind of has inspired their sensibility. Um, How visible is that influence to you? Like in the last 30 years, have there been moments where you've looked around the comedy scene and spotted shows or comedians and been like, mm, that person might've been a kids in the hall fan. Yeah, I, I, I do. I mean, I can't think of specifically, I, I mean, I love Eric Andre's show and God, I wish I'd had his guts when I was his age, I would have done something yeah. similar. <laughs> I think it's so, you know, and Tim Robinson, I don't, I don't know if he's influenced by us or not, but uh, like, I, I, I love his aggressive weirdness, you know? Um, hmm. So, yeah, I mean, generally, yes. I've I've heard from a lot of people, Fred Armisen, and you know, people like that, saying saying how they uh, we were we were a big influence. And I've seen some stuff in some of Fred's characters that I kind of go, oh, that's that's very kids in the hallish, um, and I like him for that. You know, uh, Portlandia is very kids in the hallish. Yes, you know? definitely uh, <laughs> for sure. So uh, I guess so, but not not specifically, like not a sense of ownership, and certainly not a sense that anyone's like stealing from us or anything. Like we, well, we stole. So. 
<laughs> I mean, I think every creative has to, you take from what came before you and you like make it your own. Like yeah, that's, that yeah. kind of stealing is healthy creative stealing. Yes. Don't borrow steal. Just steal. Yes. Just steal. <laughs> it's yours. Yeah. Uh, it's your birthright. I think that um, with, with comedy specifically, like, do you see like, if you were to do it again, how, if you were to start from the beginning, do kids in the hall from the beginning today, how do you think you would approach it differently to starting it back in sort of the late eighties, early nineties? Oh, that's an interesting thing. Cause yeah, I think, I think, you know, our dirty, dirty, lonely nights at the Rivoli were really the, the, were really the forge. And I don't know how you get, uh, you would have necessarily got that now because of course the phone makes anything you do widely available. If it's, if it's any good. Yeah. Maybe it would have been like a video troupe. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if those circumstances kind of exist because you really have to make, we really, we were together all the time and mm -hmm. no one knew about us. And we had this weird belief that somehow if we just kept pushing, something would happen. But I think there's almost a distracting number of conduits to success. And so I, I, I worried, you know, for troops today that they, they don't get enough time just hanging for lack of yeah. a better word. I think that the amount of formats is really super overwhelming. I think the digital space is obviously super oversaturated and you go yeah. on TikTok and there's like 15,000 standups. And, and people having huge success. Yeah. But like in 15 second bites, which is not, which isn't, oh, yeah. well, no, I shouldn't talk. I can spend a good two hours if I'm bleary in the morning, just flipping through <laughs> Instagram or something. I, th I think it's strange because they've all gotten more it feels more polished somehow and i think it's because of the access that they have to the amount of comedy material that they have access mm. to like everyone that comes on the scene seems to be a little bit more kind of squeaky than than before where you could be weird and get up there and do stuff that people are like what the hell is that yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. i think people have a lot more role models now maybe um the stealing thing is working its way into that is there anything that you think that they that if you if you could choose what people would take away, what comedians would take away from Kids in the Hall, what do you think, what do you wish that people would take from that? Uh, 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 lack of lack of censorship, lack of self-censorship. And, and, mm. and that censorship is even the wrong word. We just, you just let it out. Do you know what I mean? That like everything was one direction and not terribly edited. And I think that it's, it, it's like two things are kind of, were important in our beginning. One, we were kind of doing it all the time. Um, you know, we were doing theater sports and we were doing kids in the hall and we were like accepting guest gigs and we just said yes to everything for, for a couple, three years. And, um, and no idea was too wild. At the same time, we were hard on each other. So it was like, we had no qualms about, you know, uh, being snarky about each other's pieces, but in a way that made us better. You know what I mean? We yeah. weren't, we didn't treat each other with kid gloves. We were famous. I guess we're famous for being kind of harsh on each other. But you know, if it makes you better, I mean, clearly you've stood the test of time. So you were doing something right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, I am curious about your stint on SNL post kids in the hall. Mm -hmm. um, how did you like, was SNL something that when you were younger was like a goal for you? How did you decide to go there afterwards? Uh, well, it was off and on a goal. I mean, you know, cause it has, a, it's had a lot of seasons. It's had like four or five incredible casts and then a lot of like weirder transitioning years. Um, 
I didn't sort of decide. I mean, at the end of Kids in the Hall was coming up, we knew that we were going to stop after a fifth season. Lauren Michaels was kind of like, hey, you know, I, I was sort of a character guy and that's SNL's bread and butter. And he asked me if I wanted to join. And I couldn't, at that point, I couldn't think, do I want to go? Do I not want to go? I just kind of went, SNL? Hell yes. So I yeah. did it. Yeah. Uh, and it was okay. I mean, it was, but it wasn't Kids in the Hall. See, Kids in the Hall, I had, I had complete freedom. And if I, particularly if I believed in a really weird, specific sketch, I could stomp my feet and get it done. But you don't, you can't do that on SNL. It's more of a living newspaper. It has to be about who's the star of the week kind of thing. So it was a, it was a hard transition to, to go to that. Uh, but a good lesson. And, uh, yeah. you know, and the Saturday nights and the parties were still fun. <laughs> Epically so. <laughs> um, so what is next for you? Will we be seeing more kids in the hall? Uh, well, I hope at some point we can scramble together a tour. It's just, it's hard. It's like try and get five daytimers to like, or, or Google calendars to like overlap in a way that enables you to plan anything. The, the fact that we got a year on the series is like a miracle. I hope we do a tour. That might be fun to do a tour at some point, but with better planning than we've done it with in the past. <laughs> and for me, what am I doing? Um, yeah, I'm working on a reality series, I'm working on a graphic novel, I'm working on, Those. and then I've got, uh, I did a show a while ago called Slings and Arrows. And uh, uh, the, the two co-creators of that and myself, we've come up with this new idea that we're pitching everywhere. Have been for years. Okay. Yeah. I want to hear more about this reality show. The reality show. Oh, uh, well, let's see. It's uh, it's going to be me hosting, and uh, uh, it's sort of going to be about people's hobbies. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Is that all you can tell me? That it's going to be about hobbies. Well, I'm. We're still literally kind of like writing the deck, but it's going to be it's going to be kind of about yeah about people's passion, their their private passions, their 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 hobbies and, and interests as opposed to anything else. I like that. I don't think I've seen a reality show like that before. Yeah. No, and I think it's I think it's it's really interesting, and I I think what people's hobbies are say a lot about them and the world we live in, and, and but particularly to see and to interview and talk to people who are in the middle of this this thing that they do privately because you, you you can't lie about a hobby. Yeah. You, know, you either <laughs> love it or you don't, and if you don't, you don't do it. That's the yeah. cool thing about it. Yeah. Well, we can't wait to see it, and we hope to get to see you on tour. If you go on tour, pretty please come to Calgary. Come on. Oh, yeah, we wouldn't miss it. The hometown. We come to Calgary every tour. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of exciting projects coming up for yourself and for kids in the home. We can't wait to see what you do with it. Would you mind sticking around to play a game? I will totally play a game. Yay! I know we're here to discuss kids in the hall, but we would be remiss if we didn't also mention your role as Glenn Sturgis in Superstore. So we're going to play a little game to test how much you remember about everyone's favorite Jesus-loving, wisdom-slinging, managerial man-child. We're going to give you three fun facts about Glenn, but one of these facts is actually fiction, and it'll be up to you to tell us which one. Are you, you ready? You're going to tell a lie? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I didn't want to ask you to do the voice because I'm like, am I going to be that person that's going to ask to do the voice? But that's so good. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> okay. Here's the first one. Glenn once accidentally embezzled over $20,000 in Cloud9 funds and then denied the allegations by, cl by claiming that embezzlement is when you put jewels on your jacket. It's fact number one. Fact number two. 
Glenn doesn't actually have a valid driver's license. He claims he started driving when that nice young lady, Carrie Underwood, made it legal for unlicensed Christians to let Jesus take the wheel. Number three, every morning Glenn eats an entire loaf of banana bread, which he seasons heavily with taco mix. I love my taco mix. I didn't mean to embezzle. I feel so ashamed. And I hate that we're including Carrie Underwood in a horrible lie. <laughs> Correct. Ding, ding, ding. Wow. Very good. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. Nailed it. You Thank killed you. it. I was pretty proud of that one. I think that's something Glenn would absolutely do. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that was pretty good because I think he yeah, doesn't, doesn't have a driver's license. Uh, yeah. The funniest thing is that I went on to like search up like fun facts to see if there's maybe anything that I was missing. And he's actually an Uber driver in his spare time. I was like, how hilarious would that be? He gets pulled over and he's like, I'm with the Lord. I'm with the Lord. <laughs> Not the state. <laughs> All right. Or he's in a Tesla. Jesus took the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> a self-driving car. A self-driving car, yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. That was so much fun. And we were so excited to do this interview. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Have a great rest of your day. My pleasure. Bye, guys. Take care. Bye. Okay, that's a wrap. Bye.